Welcome to Turning Little Stones, the podcast that takes a fresh look at the fascinating world of young children. As a parent, experienced child care professional and early years consultant, I get how much we dream good things for our children. We start out hopeful and confident, and yet somehow the daily reality can feel more like a grind than a gift. And so we easily miss out on the joys of these fleeting early years. Over time, I've come to realize that to give our children the best start in life, we first need to recognize what's going on inside them in secret. There is some great research out there, and my heart is to make some of this relatable for everyone. And so throughout these weekly podcasts, I hope that whoever you are, parent, family carer, childminder, practitioner, anyone who spends time with young children can take a moment each week to reinterpret what our children are doing and why. And by doing so, I have seen countless exasperated, bewildered, exhausted carers become re-energized and inspired as they find easy ways to connect with what their young children are naturally eager to do. A little like turning over a pebble in a rock pool to discover a hidden world tucked away. We too will look at our children with fresh eyes and delight in being part of their journey. So today I'm joined by Lauren. Lauren works for the Suffolk Wildlife Trust as a learning officer and I have just spent the most gorgeous morning um, up in one of her Heathland Reserves or their Heathland Reserves where Lauren runs a little group for preschoolers called Wild Tots, I think, amongst other things, yeah. So let me ask Lauren to introduce herself. Um, so, yeah, my name is Lauren. I've worked for Suffolk Wildlife Trust for just over four years now. Um, and I'm based up at Nestral Heath near Thetford, um, which is where I run all the kind of learning activities for preschool all the way up to kind of teenagers. Wow. Because, yes, you, you're mentioning wild babies. Were, were they yes. wild babies? And yeah. then this one was wild tots. Yeah. And then you're, the next... The next set is when they're at primary school, presumably. Yeah, so we have a group for six to eleven year olds. So I run a mm. dedicated forest school group for six to eleven year olds, and then a monthly weekend wildlife club for the same age group as well. Um, and then we go all the way up to eleven to sixteen year olds with our practical work party young wardens. That's amazing, absolutely amazing. So the people we saw today. Well, at least one of them has come through from wild babies. Um, yeah. And he was so mature, wasn't he? Yeah. So with it as a little three-year-old, just three. Yes, just turned three, yeah. But he's been coming since he was five months old. So he came to our Wild Babies group, which is for three months to 18 months. Yeah. Um, so he's yeah. been with me kind of two and a half years having fun out on the heath. Wow. Oh, so, so special. So one of the things that I'm curious about Suffolk Wildlife Trust um, is that there are so many different sites. You've got the coast, you've got heathland, you've got woodland, you've got estuaries. We've got rivers, uh, meadows. It's really, really, really varied. There's so many different types of habitats in Suffolk. So really, really rich environments. 
um, and, and all very diverse. And here you were saying that you have how many acres? So just about 430 acres of land um, for the Natural Heath Nature Reserve. It's big. And you were explaining that's quite vulnerable. Well, you were explaining about the site that we were at, the part, this little tiny pocket yeah. of the site in this massive amount of acreage. And you were saying that it used to be a country park. Yeah, so before Suffolk Wildlife Trust bought uh, National Heath 10 years ago, it was a country park. Um, so it's got kind of a long-standing history with local people, um, but we've taken kind of different direction with it and we're now all about the wildlife and kind of making the most of what the site has to offer for our local wildlife in Suffolk. That's really interesting. So you've got families who would drive to the large car park that's still here and you were saying that they tend to just venture to a particular area for picnics and bathing. And Yeah, yeah. so we've got um, where the weir area is near the main car park. Um, there's kind of an area where local families have historically swum um, but National Heath is so much bigger than that and yeah. it's kind of one of the things that I wanted to do is to get people to take a few steps past that and just yeah. do a little bit of exploring on what actually the Heath has to offer. Yeah, and uh, yes, absolutely, and to be, to be able to explore this fantastic area, yeah. And you were saying that actually with the babes, the wild babes, you are actually able to go further into the yes. reserve, aren't so you? So with our wild hot group, we kind of um, have a base in one area where yeah. we spend the majority of our time. But with our wild babies group, um, we spend a little bit of time in the woods and then we do some exploring. So we usually go for about a mile and a half walk during the session um, and we take a different route each time so we can do see different parts of the nature reserve. Um, and it kind of gives parents the confidence to do that then on their own time, yes. um, which yes. is really nice. So your background, you, you, you were talking that you, you were explaining to me that you, you were in a school at some point and then you decided teaching wasn't really for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I, did, I was a TA in a school, in a private school, um, and as much as that was lovely, it wasn't the direction that I wanted to go in. Um, I was quite lucky that my childhood was spent a lot of it outside with my nan. Um, I've got really good memories of kind of going down to the park and we used to collect up the feathers from the ducks and then she'd go home and draw me like a duck picture and I'd stick all the feathers mm. on and make my own thing. Mm. And um, I've kind of grown up with going to wildlife trust events um, since I was seven or eight. So I spent, well, three quarters of my life within the trust in one capacity or another. Um, but yeah, so... It was definitely the direction that I wanted to go in was outdoor learning. And there's all that training that um, any leader in the outdoors needs to do. It's, 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 it's impressive, the training courses, um, which I think we've spoken about before. Um, but that should give parents confidence and care that whoever you are, confidence that whoever are leading such sessions are incredibly well trained. Yeah, so, I mean, I personally, I did a degree in conservation and environment, so I've kind of got the scientific background, but my passion is working with children, so it was kind of merging the two passions in my life together, and it's culminated in this job, which is perfect. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is perfect. Lovely. I would say that a lot of the children and families 
in this area. Maybe they have more exposure to being out and about in the countryside or just outside, but coming to somewhere like here, the Heathland, is makes it different, makes being outside different, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we're really lucky that we've got so many beautiful walks on our doorstep in Suffolk. Yeah. A lot of the land around us is agricultural, so mm-hmm. coming to somewhere like this is a completely different environment and there's beauty in that which is what we kind of want to show everyone Mm. but actually for those children and the adults just coming somewhere different and and also just being around and it's cold today it's where you know the tail end of autumn (laughs) and there's been a lot of rain and but it didn't stop it being a fantastically rich environment for everyone, actually, we all enjoyed it. The adults as well, you know, really, really good. Can I ask, how much do you prepare before a session? Um, well, so I have activities that are kind of the regular things that I'll do every week. So there's that familiarity for families and for the children. But I usually come up with a different key or a hook, we like to call it, mm. to kind of engage children. So Today's activity was to put up a big clear tarp and provide paint so that they could then um, decorate it however they wanted. They mm. could have made um, paintbrushes out of natural materials, so pine needles and things like that. But it's one little thing that's like an interesting point to bring them in. So I, I'm, I'm slightly organised as I usually plan every year at the end of the previous year. So I've already planned pretty much to the end of next year, but it's not a set in stone structure. Um, It will just be kind of little themes um, that I think um, children will enjoy. um, And I kind of work around the seasons as well. So seasonality comes into a lot of the activities that I do. Um, So yeah, there's, there's preparation in terms of forward thinking, but quite a lot of it is child led. And I kind of just let the children do what they want to do during the session, because I think that's, really important for them to have that opportunity it really is child-led but it's only possible because of the the normal stuff that you've you've put out so what what did I notice today I loved your reading corner or reading area that was beautiful um not just with a lovely rich array of books but you've got uh soft toy animals there ready to enjoy the books as well. Um, I think we had a ladybird that came on an explore and that started a conversation, didn't it? But, yeah, that was just lovely. So a a really, fairly small mat, actually. Yeah, it was just a picnic blanket and I kind of put out seasonal books. So at the moment I've got some autumnal themes, blackberries and things like that. Um, So I kind of tie and tie into what's happening in the natural world at the time that they're attending the sessions. Brilliant. So, so reading, beautiful. You've got a hammock. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a, a real hit. Yeah. And you were explaining how some parents will just lie in there with yeah. <laughs> with their little one gazing up at the canopy um, uh, for a long time. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Some of the families they'll spend kind of the majority of the session just swinging away, and it opens up a lot of conversations and things that they notice within nature. Yeah. And also it's just the opportunity to kind of connect and relax with your child or your grandchild or whoever you're coming yeah, with yeah. Um, and just take that little bit of time out to just relax. Yeah. 
gorgeous mud kitchen with the ingredients were conkers and acorns and yeah. lots of fallen leaves. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, just, just lots of bits and pieces. Uh, what else did you have? Yeah, you got the tarpaulin. I like that. It was clear, wasn't it? Yeah. And it meant a child could see through it. And at, you say that's fairly new. Yeah, so that's something I quite often use, like a, a cotton sheet beforehand. Yeah. But um, they're quite large. And I also really like the size of this one that I've got now. It's, it's small. It's kind of, you can put it to child height. And also... Um, you can have children painting on both sides of it yeah. so they're interacting with each other and they, they can kind of do what they want on their side and also mm -hmm. it's quite clean as well so once they're finished yes. you can just get your um, watering can wash it off and then another child can have a go or add to whatever's on there already gosh what else did you have out today all the diggers oh <laughs> that was amazing yeah so to just toy plastic toy diggers yeah. What, three or four of them? I think I've got four, yeah, all recycled from my own children. <laughs> and you'd got... Somebody made an area, so they'd they'd scuffed up some of the leaf litter, so so it looked a bit like a building site, and yeah. a child could move the, move the soil around, which they did, yeah. and <laughs> used the scoop very, very adeptly. That was amazing. And then... Uh, yeah, all you needed to do, one of your volunteers, was just put a log over it, didn't yeah. didn't she? And that was just enough. She didn't say, oh, why don't you move the log? It was just on the road and it needed yeah. to be moved. So this little chap, very expertly, <laughs> managed to, to do that and then repeated it, didn't he, yeah. several times? And then changed the scenarios as well. So the digger was further away and it had to go onto a journey to then be able to get to the road and things like that. So what started out as quite a simple, yeah. just uh, a tree has fallen down across the road, then yeah. turned into a whole new experience. And So that's a telling story. That was, that was delightful, wasn't yeah. it? Um, what else did you have? Uh, the bug hunt. Oh, yes. <laughs> so um, we always uh, have out um, bug hunting equipment, so um, pots, paint brushes, um, ID charts, and obviously being in a nature reserve, one of the things that we want to get across is taking care of the creatures that we have in the woods. We're sharing the space with them. Um, but we also want them to learn about it and engage with it um, and have their own experiences. Mm. So that's something that we have out every single week. Um, and it kind of ties in with our mini beast hotel that we made as a community as well in the summer. So it kind of links all these things in. And I mean, it's really good for them to just, okay, that's a millipede, that's a woodlouse, oh, there's a spider. And it's kind of getting past those barriers, all their fears that perhaps they may have mm. have um, and kind of, realise things for themselves. What did we find? Tiny, tiny little spiders and underneath the logs and... And the tiniest millipedes. <laughs> which was named beautifully. The language of one of the children present was just astonishing. Yeah, yeah. And learning the difference between a centipede and a millipede. Yeah. I now know. Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> so you'd plan... you. I'm sure we've missed something out, but you have planned a load of activities that is always there. Mm -hmm. um, and they will perhaps 
be slightly changed yeah. week on week or according to seasons. But then you have a new activity that you you tend to have as a focus. Yeah. But you're still child-led. Yes. That was very, very, very clear. Yeah, so all the activities that we have out are, you can do them, you don't have to do them, you can mm-hmm. spend as much time, you can spend your entire session doing mm-hmm. that if you want to, mm-hmm. um, but they are, you can move around the different activities. They're all in one area, so if you want to pop back to revisit something, you've got that opportunity, but there's no... There's no pressure or expectation that you have to complete certain things during the session. It is all about children enjoying their time outside. And that's what's most important to me. Yeah. Yeah. And then to respect the space they're in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you involve the children in clearing up the site, which is something that is relatively new um, for me to see that in action. Um, And that's part of caring for the environment exactly it's not only a case of looking after the natural world they're in and the space that we're using but it's also kind of we want these things to be available next time for other children to experience so it's all kind of part of the activity and the session itself is to take responsibility for the equipment that we've got um and yeah tidying up is part of that and to be honest the parents usually say to me oh, you don't tidy up like this at home. <laughs> yes. But um, it's just, yeah, it's just part of our everyday session and it's, yeah, they always they always tidy up for me or help with it anyway. Yeah, no, it's, it's really lovely. So you you have the parents or, or carers, whoever they are, grandparents mm-hmm. attend with, with their child. So you're maybe showing them a different way of enjoying being outside so so you you are supporting them probably as much as the children have you got any stories about well it's quite nice to just be able to put confidence in parents a lot of parents they'll come to something like this and not really know what to expect and it's kind of been able to replicate what I do here at home and I think that's one of the reasons why I have familiar activities such as diggers and stories and things like that because it's not too far away from what their own parenting probably looks like in their home environment, but it's just taking it outdoors. Um, And it's just really nice that um, one of the conversations we had with the parents today, she was looking at the clear tarp that I've got and said, oh, that would go really nice. We've just built a mud pit in the garden. That would be really nice to have in our garden as well. So it's kind of providing ideas and um, just being able to take those home with them as well. So, because... What we, what we don't want is for the experiences for children to have to end when they leave the session. Yes. We want it to be taken home with them um, because they're the next generation of people that are going to look after our natural environment. Yes. And if we yes. can provide a bit of support with that, then that's, that's, that's a goal. So what about advising them things like appropriate clothing? or I know you said you wanted, or you do, make these sessions inclusive and affordable Mm -hmm. so um they're a very very modest charge of a fiver for a session but but parents don't have to pay up front or 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 they don't need to book um even a set of lessons and you're doing that in order to make well, I'd allow the curious to come and have a taste. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and also, yeah, I, I just like the fact that, that you're 
allowing this to be as inclusive as possible including some clothing available if they yeah so as my boys have grown up and they've grown out of their waterproof wellies and yeah. coats and things like that um I've kind of built a stash up here um so if there are parents who either forget things I mean the amount of things you have to have in your car when you leave the house mm-hmm. with a child sometimes you just forget these mm-hmm. things or it could be that um the cost of buying outdoor gear is prohibitive to some families so I've made it quite clear that um if you forget something just pop me a message or an email uh, and just say that I need this for this session can I borrow it and I'm more than happy to kind of share out what we've got and yeah it just (laughs) it was a case of the other week we had um, a family who ran a little boy ran straight into the water and the water went over the top of his wellies within the first five minutes and the mum said, oh, I'm so glad that you've got something yeah. that we can borrow because I wouldn't have been able to pull my child out of, it was too distracting yeah. to have wet, soggy feet, which is understandable. Yeah. Um, but it's just little occasions like that that yeah. these things come in handy. And what about managing parental or adult reluctance? I mean, as I say, it's, it's been cold today. It was quite drizzly. Um but not, it, it wasn't torrential, but nobody batted an eyelid. I think a lot of parents, they have their children set up in all the wet weather gear, but then forget about themselves. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that yes. kind of prevents parents from coming. They're like, oh, my child will be fine, but I'm going to be soggy and wet. Um, yeah. But we have we have ways around it. We can put a tarp up in the woods. And to be honest, the tree cover, um, the canopy itself, provides quite a lot of yeah. shelter from the weather anyway. Um, and at the end of the day, it's only a little bit of rain. It's not going to harm you, is it? You can go home, get nice and cosy, turn the heating up in the car on the way back. But you've had a nice day out in the fresh air and have made some amazing memories with your child. Mm. And I think that kind of supersedes getting a little bit soggy. <laughs> yeah, well, we were actually saying even today, you the option of not coming would probably, for most families, be, well, it's keep warm indoors so you've got to heat indoors which this time in the middle of our current crisis that's that's probably going to be a lot more than a fiver to come here but actually they you you know none of us are too cold we'll and we'll get back and we'll we'll be in it it won't be too cold for us just because we've been out outside for and it's really good for our kind of our physical health as well to be spending time outside and having that fresh air and also I was reading a study not that long ago that said that when it rains it releases things from the ground which actually helps improve um Mm. your body and your body's health um which I think is really interesting it's something I want to look into a little bit more because that's a really good kind of positive a bit of rain or a bit of damp weather that can actually be healthy for your body yes and that's the benefit of you being you being employed by the trust, by the Wildlife Trust, because you will be able to know about the new research and perhaps more than many of us would. Um, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. So, um, so you've got adults coming. Have you seen a difference in the parents that regularly attend or the carers who regularly attend, how they are 
maybe accessing more of the heathland and and going a bit further afield rather than just being in the car park area or yeah. next to the weir. Um, have you noticed how they've started to explore further and enjoy the environment more? Yeah, so um, one of the families that came today actually uh, it's quite often been that I've popped in on a day that I'm not running the session and they'll be here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? Yeah, and um, they, they're just like, oh, my son just absolutely loves coming here. So we just thought, we've got an hour, we'll just go for a walk. And quite often um, they'll go yeah. for a longer walk and they'll bring like a baby sling, like a carrier, yeah. and they'll do some uh, exploring a bit further afield before the yeah. legs get tired and <laughs> they don't want to do quite a three-mile walk. But, um, yeah, so quite often they'll they'll be here and they'll just, um, it's, it's nice to know that, their experience outdoors and exploring is not just limited to the session yes. itself. They can then they've chosen to come yeah. here um without having something to come here for necessarily. Um as in like a guided activity, but they're just coming here to appreciate the site itself and enjoy time outside. You remind me actually with our children, our boys, we've got three boys when they were little and one of them went on a school trip, um, or or a preschool trip, it was anything. Then in the next holiday, whether it was a half-term break or, or, or main break, um, we used to repeat that same visit and they were the guide yeah. for the rest of the family. So probably a little bit similar for yeah, what you're yeah. saying. And, it, you know, it just built them up. They felt, oh, I've been here before. I'm going to show everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you probably saw a little bit of that today with um, one of the children who's been coming for about two and a half years. He's very familiar with kind of the structure of the session yes. um, and the areas in which we play in the activities that we do and he was explaining to you <laughs> how was. we do this and he was he was driving me around he'll yeah. be, be my number two in about 10 years time yeah. i'll have to uh, recruit him yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> or a takeover yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i might not be here he'll be here instead <laughs> and it's that whole delight in adults can delight in the discoveries that the children are finding so so um we did mention the two bug activities so i don't think we properly explained the first one but one was finding brightly colored bugs that were hiding around um, and then that followed on to um, looking for bugs and you'd got a little paintbrush and a little um, magnifying pot with a lid um, so actually that was beautiful because at one point I was I just stood back and I watched all the adults turning over so that we could get excited. Yes, to to maybe encourage the children a bit more. But but actually, I think we were all as excited yeah. as the children at finding little critters. I was. I found one. Yeah, I found a little. <laughs> so so that's lovely. What you're doing is far broader, far richer. Um, has far more long-term benefits than just what the children are learning in a session. But, I mean, maybe we could just ping around all the areas of development. I wasn't going to do that, but I, I just think that might help many of our listeners to understand the richness yeah. of nature's classroom. 
in the heathland. Yeah. So let's I don't, let's start with physical development. Yeah, so um, gross motor skills and also fine motor skills are quite a big part of the activities or the basis behind the activities that mm -hmm. I put out. So there is, um, we have the little, little uh, pool area by the weir um, and we're kind of picking up different natural materials and it's the throwing action and it's the picking small up things up. So your fine motor skills are kind of being ticked off there. Um, and then we have a, a big concrete tunnel where the children can run through and then they can climb up the other side. So you're kind of moving your body um, in all kinds of different ways. Um, and then obviously the activities that I put out, so um, the hammock as well, you're kind of climbing into that and you've got your the movement, um, which is really good for kind of brain development and core strength and things like that. So you're taking off so many boxes without actually realising that it's anything yes. more than just playing. Yes. And I think that's really important and really nice for parents to know that you aren't just playing. There is actual physical benefits for your child to being outside and and then, um, yeah, exploring and playing. Social and cooperative playing. <clears throat> yeah, so a lot of the families that we meet, they may come with a younger sibling, but um, they may come just their parents. And part of the session is kind of working together, um, having a chat with other children, other parents. We have the mud kitchen where we hear so many conversations going on mm. in the mud kitchen of the different things that they're making. Um, and they'll kind of all join in. So they're all adding different ingredients. And mm. there's kind of that turn taking that you're doing. And it's kind of just having the opportunity to, or for the children to have interactions with other children of a similar mm. age, maybe slightly older, maybe slightly younger, and also different parents who have input into it as well. So it's quite a broad range of different social interactions you can have yeah. during the session. It's great leveller as well. Um, I used to do forest school and uh, lead it. And I do remember one, you know, slightly, slightly overweight little one, actually. She was a little bit on the edge of, of her peer group. And uh, one day we were down in the woods and she discovered if she sat on one end of a branch, it went up. Um, and before we knew it, she had organised a new game of a seesaw. So if another child sat on the other side and they, she was the instigator of that play and everybody then wanted to join in her game. It was an amazing leveller being out there. Whereas in the nursery garden, you know, she was a little bit, you know, on the edge of things. Yeah, yeah I like that. Thank you. Knowledge and understanding, and obviously all of that is just so there. Um, you talked about creative development in terms of the, the painting on the clear tarpaulin and other ways. But... Um, forgot to mention you've got a little music area hadn't oh, you yeah. <laughs> and that was used quite sweetly as well because didn't he make music while something was cooking in the mud kitchen yeah so he was cooking a pile a pie in the mud kitchen um and um at the same time he had a guitar in hand um, where he was strumming yeah. away and then that kind of escalated to then me having um some maracas and our rather volunteer Anna having a, a tambourine and we all were kind of making a nice song and encouraging the pie to cook quicker yeah. um, and he'd 
go back and check it, see if it's cooked, not quite ready yet. So then we do a little bit more. <laughs> so, um, yeah, <laughs> It, yeah, it was it was really good there. Actually. It was a really sweet idea. It was very um, spontaneous, totally child led. You would not have thought of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got I had, I had quite a bit of counting going on, like sorting. Yes, sorting, color recognition yeah. as well. So um, just so so rich, you know. No worksheets. No, no <laughs> writing anything down. No, not even. I mean, the only photos we took would just celebrate what the children were doing yeah. you weren't recording anything no. but actually in terms of their how how it's benefited them are far far better than any formalized learning at this point in their lives yeah, it will be feeding them it'll be preparing them they will be learning how to concentrate because they're following their fascinations as well aren't they yeah. And that's that's the beauty of the session is that there are these activities that you can put out, but equally you can follow your own interest during yeah. the session and there is nothing to achieve. You can the only achievement I want is for them to have fun and enjoy themselves. So yeah. that's as uh, that's formal <laughs> as yeah. it gets. But coming back to taking photos of them today, I'm quite lucky that a lot of the families I've known for quite a long time, for years, and to yeah. kind of look back to a year ago, two years ago, yeah. and then compare to today. Yeah. And you can kind of see the children growing yeah. and blossoming and kind of yeah. doing things that they weren't able to do a year ago or doing things with such confidence that you kind of just think, wow, you've really kind of yeah. Yeah, grown. And some of those are going to end up being volunteers in the rest of these 450 acres of woodland at Heathland. Yeah, yeah. I think we've nearly come to an end, so I'm just going to ask you, um, I think, what... You want them to have fun in the moment, each session. What are your longer-term hopes? Um, I would love for the children to follow in my footsteps, if I'm honest. I was quite lucky that, as I said, my childhood was outside and all the decisions I've made through my schooling and my degree and or a school leader and things like that have all kind of culminated in this job. Mm. And it's a real passion of mine. And if I can get one child out of all the hundreds and hundreds of children that I've met over the years to kind of think that's what I want to do, mm. then I'll be happy. Yeah. Is, at the end of the day, I want them to enjoy themselves and to just appreciate yes. the beauty of nature and what we've got around us because we are really, really lucky. We're really lucky. And all those fringe benefits you were saying, you know, there's a there's there's a potential for social change exactly. as well, isn't there? Yeah. Just that whole belief in an understanding of the importance of our, our natural world. Yeah and learning to care for it. Lauren, thank you so much. I've had a ball. It really has been lovely. And um, I just, just carry on doing what you're doing. I just, to our listeners, yes, we're talking about Suffolk, but actually I would have thought most counties have a wildlife trust. I would be very surprised if they didn't have learning activities such as this it may not work in exactly the same way but there will be something near where you are and um yeah just encourage you to 
to have a little Google, see what's going on. This is called Wild Tots. <laughs> they weren't wild at all. They were just engrossed, absorbed. Um, but thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. And also, just one more point. Yeah. Just um, have confidence in yourself as a parent or a carer to just go outside with your child and just see where they want to go. Follow their leads because I think some of the best things happen when you're looking through the eyes of a child. Love it. <laughs> just leaves me to say thank you for listening to this episode of Turning Little Stones. We hope it's given you some food for thought and maybe some ideas to try. As always, you'll find the show notes for this episode, together with further information, episodes and resources, by heading over to our website, www.turninglittlestones.com. So until next time, goodbye! Goodbye!